everyone. Welcome to the Midtown Midweek. You know what we do, where each week we take the sermon on Sunday and we talk about it more. Joining me for the second time ever from Midtown Downtown, Pastor Alan Tipping. Ayo, hey, Alan, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Oh, so we just heard the sermon from Alan talking about being people of peace and wanted to unpack that a bit more. Before we get into the sermon, though, Alan, uh, something our listeners want to know. They're in Colombia. They're looking for things to do. What can they do? So question for you, Alan, is what is your favorite thing about Columbia right now? Yeah, uh, my favorite thing about Columbia right now would have to be Harbison uh, State Park. I have recently gotten into mountain biking and it is really fun to hit the trails. I've been riding uh, road bikes for quite a while, but riding a mountain bike adds in uh, more adventure. It makes me... Almost back to when I was a little kid, the adventure uh-huh. bike riding, you know, so you're, you're, you're going fast down hills over routes, jumping stuff. And so it's just really fun. Also, the weather's great. It's awesome to be outside. Uh, it's a beautiful place to, to go ride. So that's been my, my current most favorite thing. Yeah, that's great. All right, let's go ahead and let's get into the sermon. So Alan, what were some things that didn't make the final cut? Yeah, to me, I think there, it felt like there were quite a few things that I just didn't have the time to jump into. Uh, some of those would be this passage of scripture that we were talking about is foundational for lots of major nonviolent protest. I mean, yeah. this this is what uh, MLK held on to and and helped drive his whole philosophy in the fight for civil rights was a a nonviolent resistance. How do we courageously? Mm-hmm. and creatively stand up for what is right. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, there have been lots of different movements that this passage has um, invoked. And I, I didn't have the chance to get into that because what I, I really wanted us to do, and I, I feel like it was is really what Jesus is trying to do is in your everyday life, you may not <laughs> need to do nonviolent resistance in major ways and, and protests, although it's relevant to right now. Sure. Um, but it, it's a lot harder to do the bigger movements if, if in our everyday life, we are not retaliating. You know, mm. like we, we actually need to become accustomed to not retaliating to people who hurt us, uh, who are close to us. You know, all those relational yeah. dynamics, that actually builds us, prepares us maybe for, for larger things and, and larger moments. And I, I think sometimes uh, people are trying to do something too big when they're not applying it into everyday ordinary life. So that, that was my, my yeah. big emphasis is, and I just didn't want to distract from it. It's like, when you are hurt tomorrow, how, how do you respond? Are you going to retaliate? In which way do we follow Jesus in, in that kind of uh, aspect? Yeah. That's good. So rather than thinking, how can I apply this on a larger scale in light of injustices, in our world, in our country right now, how am I, when I wake up tomorrow, going to be a person of peace? And I think it, yes, absolutely. I think it applies to that. It's yeah. just, uh, I didn't want that to be our emphasis. Sure. Limited time. I wanted to get into everyday life more than anything else. Uh, you could expound it even more. I mean, a lot of uh, denominations would root, use this passage to to um, say why they are pass- pacifist and wouldn't, 
be involved in military and other things. Uh, so I, there is a lot of to be drawn out of this passage. Yeah. And we just didn't have time to, well, this is how they applied it. And this, you know, yeah, like I, no. I just think there was, there's too much uh, ground to cover there. Uh, I think another thing that I didn't have a chance to get into um it would be the practical applications of the fourth thing Jesus said when someone uh, mm. begs, uh, give to them. Yeah. And, you know, that one gets quoted a lot. And I know there are times where Christians feel, uh, feel pressure. If someone asks me for money, I have to obey the Bible and I have to give yeah. them money. And I would actually say, no, you probably shouldn't ever give out cash to someone who's begging on the street. Uh, in general, for, for me, my uh, rule of thumb is unless prompted by the Holy Spirit, I don't give out cash mm -hmm. because odds are that is actually not what the person needs. Now, I'm not saying in any way that we shouldn't help people who are in need, but there is a reality just because someone asks you for something, it may not be what they actually need. And so mm -hmm. I would much rather us as a people continue to engage and those who are homeless or begging, but help them find the actual resources they need. Uh, most of the time, people don't need food because you can find food. And, mm -hmm. and if you've been on the streets for uh, any length of time, it's an incredible network and word travels fast. And so people know when and where to get food that they need. Um, and so that's oftentimes not why they're asking for money. And so one of the resources that I recommend in just trying to gain a a grasp on how do I help people in need is when helping hurts. I think it's an incredible resource. And, and one of the, the biggest questions is, are we trying to help people, uh, but because of our sometimes ignorance, our naivety, we actually do more harm than good. Mm -hmm. And I think there are times when we give out cash to people who are begging, but that could be more harmful than helpful. Yeah. And Correct me if I'm wrong, but those four examples that Jesus gives, those are specific ways within that context of how you could give away honor. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to unpack that. I don't, I don't think Jesus is in any way saying uh, anyone who begs, you should give to them. He actually was, was hitting on a very specific type of person. So the whole context was, do not resist the evil one. So he, there, the implication is that this beggar or borrower is an evil person. I don't think Jesus believes all who are poor or sure. begging are evil. Right. And so the context that, that I was bringing up was these beggars and borrowers were people who had been dishonored. They had been um, rejected or exiled from their family, usually because of their rebellious ways. So think about the prodigal son, uh, what we know about him. He dishonored his dad. He insulted his dad. He took his money. He squandered his inheritance. And then he was left as a beggar and mm. a borrower. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's the evil one. Like yeah. you, you lost all this. You squandered it all away. Um, and so it would be offensive for that guy to now come to other people and ask for money. And people are like, I'm not going to give you money. You're dishonorable right. because you dishonored your family. Uh, and now you're dishonoring me by even asking me. So yeah. I think that's way more the context. But I do know that people use that verse to think that they have to give money every time. So I just wanted to clarify some of that. Yeah. And maybe you could test those people who feel like they have to obey that command literally, uh, 
slap them in the face and then see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to check that part later? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this won't make the podcast. Other things that didn't make the final cut? One other thing that I just found pretty interesting as I was looking at honor and shame and that kind of culture, how much you see it, once you kind of know it's there, how much you can see it in the life of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I was even um, thinking about in Matthew, I believe it's chapter eight, where the the paralyzed guy comes in and uh, his friends bring him in, they lower him down to Jesus. And Jesus responds, his first response is, uh, your sins are forgiven. And and the the scribes around him are like, Nuh-uh. <laughs> can't do that. <laughs> but, you know, they call him a blasphemy. Yeah. Like, you can't say that. You don't yeah. have the power to do that. Mm. Uh, and so it, it, it's beginning of this honor claim. Jesus is saying, I can forgive your sins. Uh, and then they're they're saying, no, you can't. Like, they, they are challenging that. And then Jesus responds, is it easier for me to forgive sins or to ask or tell him to walk? And, and it's the, the implication is, I can say I forgive his sins and you won't know it or not. Mm. Uh, if he starts walking, you are going to know I have power to yeah. work and move. And so that Jesus says, stand up and take care of your mat. And so he, he knows that oftentimes in his public situation, he is going to be challenged by the scribes, by the Pharisees. There's envy. This is why he's crucified. They're taking away uh, honor uh, he's taking their honor away. And so uh, here you just see that that back and forth that is mm-hmm. happening and how Jesus says, no, I, I want to show you, I do have the honor. And, and it, it, he, he wins the situation. You know, so honor game ends with a verdict. And the verdict is all the people around him are glorifying God and looking at, you know, look at yeah. how, all of his authority. So I don't know. I, I just found that interesting to see how much honor impacted everyday life you know, of Jesus. And I've never thought of that story as Jesus is proving himself honorable and the scribes in that situation are trying their best to dishonor Jesus. Yeah. And pretty fascinating when you think Jesus who has this unlimited well of honor, people can mock him and insult him. And he is perfectly fine because you can't take honor from, from Jesus, Yeah, you know? thinking about we have the righteousness of Jesus and he calls us sons and daughters. It's like, we have an unlimited well of honor so we can stand to get insulted and knocked around knowing we're going to be okay. Yeah, Jesus and that's, that's the big premise of everything I was trying to communicate is when we know our honor comes from God, we have a foundation. Like we don't need it from anybody else. You know, yeah. uh, the the other way we have, have talked about it is a little bit more of fear of man and fear of God. Uh, when we appropriately fear God, we receive honor from him. We don't have to fear man. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's just breaking all of that cycle that I don't have to find my approval from other people. I find my approval from Jesus. And that frees me up. So yeah. the, the ultimate is I'm now freed up from this controlling nature around me. Yeah, that's great. This is a little bit more of a soapbox, so uh, I'm not going to get into all of it, (laughs) but I think you could easily use this uh, passage of scripture to talk about boundaries. Mm -hmm. So that's a a pretty, um, a word that's used in psychology. And I think there's some, some great merits to it. There is a book called Boundaries and it's helping people 
to know how to interact with other people and how to, uh, in some ways, have good, healthy relationships. Yeah. What I have noticed is that after people, usually who have bad boundaries, they're not living in healthy relationships with people around them, read the book, they go into an overcorrection mm-hmm. of boundaries and they begin to set up boundaries that I think Jesus himself wouldn't. And so my, my big thing when anybody talks about the word boundaries is just make sure that your boundaries are not greater than Jesus's boundaries. Yeah. Because if that is true, then you are actually not following the way of Jesus. You're following the way of psychology. And that's where it gets really dangerous um, because I've heard people say, you know, I can't be in relationship with this person because blah, 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 blah. And there may be reasons we actually need to terminate relationship, but there are very few and far between. And most of what the Bible is going to say is we stay engaged that we are willing to be insulted, that we're willing to be hurt, um, and that we're not going anywhere because that's that's how God works with us. Yeah, you know, like he yeah. he's so faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. And so I I just think there anyway. That's a soapbox. I oh, could go a, a ton more into yeah. it, but I, that is my fear in our church is that as people learn about boundaries, that they would become more like psychology than they would like Jesus. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast on the way here. It was Keller talking about Proverbs 11, talking about how when the righteous prosper, the city rejoice. And he makes this connection. How do you define a righteous person? And a righteous person is someone who willingly disadvantages themselves for the sake of lifting up others. And that really does fly in the face of the whole pop psychology boundaries kind of stuff. Yeah, there's some good stuff there. And we also obey Jesus. You know, there's there's 52 or 50 something of those one one another's in the New Testament. And your quote unquote boundaries uh, are not an exception to following what those commands to love one another, bear with one another, forbear with one another, carry one another's burdens. You know, like Mm -hmm. there is an expectation that to be in real relationship, it will cost us. Yeah. And that is the way of Jesus and how his kingdom comes here on earth. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Last question for you. How did preparing for this sermon impact you personally? I think the, the biggest thing or one one of the biggest things for me is just realizing how much I want to vindicate myself. Like I, I want to be right. And that when I'm hurt or taken advantage of, I too want to be vindicated, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I, and, and it's self vindicated. Like I want to take the stand. I want to no, yeah. <laughs> you know, like you don't get to talk to me that way. Or, you know, like yeah. I, I feel that yeah. deep in me desire to defend and to uh, clarify. Like I, I don't like it when people talk badly about me or accuse me of things or hurt me or, you know, like any of those types of things. And so I, I know I have to resist that temptation and I have to believe that when um, God says vengeance is mine, that I can trust him with that. And I, I actually don't have to come to my own defense. 
I don't know if I was listening to a podcast, read it in a book. I, I don't know where this came from, um, but somebody was talking about a book and the, the whole concept of the book was, it's a, a novel. It's based off of, um, a, there are a thousand different realities of who you are existing in the minds of everybody around you. And so it's this idea of uh, we, we are who people think we are, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think I am something, but I don't know what you think about me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's you, I exist, an image, an idea of who I am exists in your mind huh. and then in everybody else's mind. And it just kind of freaked me out. It's like, yeah. I wanted to, I just kind of assumed everybody looked at me the way I look at me. And yeah. that's not true. Everybody has different opinions about who I am. And huh. it's just, it's messed with me because I want everybody to think about me the way I think about me. Yeah. <laughs> and my instinct is, well, let me tell you why you should think about me the way I think about me. Uh, and, and so that just becomes more instinctively, I need to defend myself. I need to make sure, I need to put my best foot forward. I need to tell you more about, you know, all those types of things. So I, that, that has been a lot more of uh, what God's been doing in my heart. Yeah. I think it's interesting too. We were in First Timothy in the spring and talking about elders and pastors that we are, are to be worthy of double honor. So is, there is this kind of expectation that, pastors should receive honor and be thought of highly. And also the tension of being a follower of Jesus and someone who leads people in following Jesus means our honor will be taken away. There is yeah. there's that tension that I never really thought about till just now. Anything else, Alan? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah I, uh, other than I think if if we are really wrestling with this, idea of not retaliating, it will mess with us. Like, I, I think this is a harder command than maybe on the surface. Mm-hmm. It, it is instinctive for us to want to stand up for ourselves. Yeah. Because, and I think that's, I think there's, I don't think that's inherently wrong. Here, here's why we were, we have God given dignity. Imago Dei, we reflect God. And so anytime someone attacks us as image bearers, uh, it is an insult. Like that, we should be treated as image bearers of God. And when we're not, it, we do feel that. Right. Um, and, and so I, I don't think that instinct is wrong to, to want to be defended. Um, it's, um, it's who are we trusting that should come to our defense? Yeah. And as Christians, we are freed up from trying to have to defend ourselves because God defends us yeah. and God's going to make all the wrongs right. And so there, there's just a ton of freedom in that. Uh, but if we really do push into it, it requires something of us that is counterintuitive and difficult to follow. Yeah, that's good. I think one thing that's, that's interesting is even as you're talking about how this impacted you personally, Brandon last week said something pretty similar as far as being truth tellers and people of integrity means that you will, people will have a hard time liking you. Even if you do things to the best of your ability, uh, people just won't like you and that's out of your hands. And so giving it over to King Jesus, knowing that he's good and he's in control. Our call is to, is to be faithful and however people respond is is not in our hands. Yeah. And, you know, the whole Matthew 5 started with, 
Blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake. And so that one way to talk about it is honored are those who follow my way. Yeah. Who, who by doing what I ask and require of you, you are hated, talked bad about, you know, all those kinds of things. Hmm. And I don't like that. Yeah. Like, I don't like thinking like that. Yeah. I don't. I know it's real because Jesus was persecuted and and he tells me every which way, if I'm going to follow him, it's going to happen to me. But when I'm in the middle of the situation, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. So as y'all are listening to this, if you haven't met up for life group this week, we have some questions as far as like, how do we be people of peace and what are the ways we want to vindicate ourselves and retaliate? So encouragement to y'all really press into those questions and take an honest look at how you want to vindicate yourself and use that as an opportunity to bring that over to Jesus. Yeah. Anything else, Alan? That's it. And that's all. Cool. Uh, Well, thanks so much, Alan, for preaching for us and see you next week. All right. (laughs) 